0: We are coming to you live with today's topic, which is the DS mirror effect, which actually is about how people in DS... Um... How do you reflect upon your partner? No, but no, not how, how do does you your behavior? How yeah. does your
1: behavior reflect upon your partner? Do you
0: think about your partner? How do you reflect on them? <laughs> it's about how the things okay, you do...
1: Okay, shut up. I wasn't fully fleshed out.
0: <laughs> this episode is about how the things we do when we're in partnerships reflect on our partners. Yes. Um, or do they
1: i don't know tune in let's find out yeah
0: and also please um review us we like those wow we live for them what a great call to action this is (laughs) let's
1: get on with the podcast hello and welcome to the case for kinky podcast this podcast discusses adult topics so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18 please stop listening now also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions.
0: And here we go. Uh, we are going to be talking today about something because we are on a podcast. Oh, Lord. Hi, Eden. Hello, Miss Jen. <laughs> you
1: always forget that part.
0: Do ha- I mean, I already know you. So introducing myself to you just seems so forced. Oh Lord! I'm just saying, who are we really doing that for the benefit of? You know, like do the at this point some more
1: podcasts in this room?
0: Um, the the listeners right now. (laughs) No, (laughs) in this room. You do.
1: Yeah. Okay. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Case for Kinky podcast. Thanks for listening and being here, and uh, we're going to talk about something that is probably debatable and has many different opinions, but here we are talking about ours, Um, and it's about whether or not people's behaviors who are part of typically a power exchange dynamic reflect on the other partner and vice versa. Um, whether they do, whether they should, right? That kind of stuff. Yes, that's what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. I was
0: going to the bathroom one day and I was I was <laughs> starting. Oh god. I was sitting there thinking to myself and I was like, hold on a second, this sounds like a really cool topic. And so then I oh, that's how okay. it came up. Um but yeah, I was just That's like, how it came out? Yeah, I got I got this idea into my head because I realized that ever since I came into the scene, I did have a sense of either because you told me, you, my dominant, or like other people mentioned it, that an S-type's behavior reflects back on the D-type. And so it's very important that the S-type is respectful and behaves themselves, because if they don't, that ultimately is kind of the D-type's responsibility and fault. Now, this is really interesting, this concept of like D-types taking responsibility for S-types, because I do want to point out that we're all adults, and we're all like capable of hopefully being responsible for ourselves. Um so to a degree no one human who is an adult is truly responsible for another adult um unless they're in some sort of a caretaking situation or you know what I mean there there are extenuating circumstances where this is true but within the scene generally speaking technically if i murder someone i'm going to jail not you. Mm-hmm. Like if, if i <laughs> if i am a uh, Uh, Something you need to tell me. (laughs) No, it's not at this time. Um, But if I, if I break the law, it comes back to me. Right. And the thing is though, like that all talks about what happens if you break a vanilla law in the vanilla world or the external world around you. But with regards to our social conduct, our behaviors and like faux pas or actual like bad judgments we make within the scene, I don't do think that reflects on our partners. Um, and I think it's the reverse as well. I, I think I've seen it happen in the reverse where when a D-type behaves crappily, people start treating the S-type differently. You know, but I don't... I, I think we... This is why it's an interesting topic. It's like how much of that is fair and how much of that is kind of bullshit. What, what are your initial thoughts on this topic? So it's
1: funny that you started with the idea of world adults. Um, because we are, but the first thing I thought of with this topic, um, was that it reminds me of kind of like parent child in terms of if you're in like a grocery store or whatever, and there's a kid screaming down the aisles, one of the first thoughts is where are the fucking parents? Right and judgment may follow
0: in terms of and judgment may follow the, in terms of the parenting. Um, Although to be fair, sometimes kids just have temper tantrums. No, and judgment I know didn't happen. But yes, I way, know. Most but people- a,
1: a lot of the times, you're like, okay, parents, you, yeah, you done fucked up something. Um, which, as yeah. a parent, you know, hopefully, like, be nice. But whatever. Um, the point is, we are all adults. Um, I think the interesting part in terms of the D to the S or the S to the D, <laughs> I want this to be a rap song now. Um, <laughs> is that I think that if a D type does something Bluck, the S type may be judged in terms of choice. Like, Hey, you chose this person to to lead you to be your D type, right? And so there might be a judgment of that choice. Um but I think it's different when an S type pulls a pulls a yuck. I don't know. Um because the D type it's assumed that the D type has been taken on has taken on responsibilities of leadership and training and like all of these things that should actually shape that S-type's behavior. And so I think that's why D-types end up holding more responsibility or judgment from other people in the scene
0: if their S-type
1: screws up something or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think that's actually perfectly summarized. I was sitting here going, okay, well, the podcast is done. That was it. That was cool. – I'm, I'm in agreement. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I think – this is kind of where I want to get into this a little bit more in the trickier spots. So first of all, everybody knows that when you're in relationship with somebody and even if it's not DS, your partner ends up being an asshole or is doing things that are shitty. It sucks if you're with that person because you probably love them and you probably are trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. And you might even be working with them on some flaws they have that they need to do some self-work on. Right. But, um, so it's not as cut and dry as when your D-type or when your S-type starts acting funky, you just ditch them. Like, that's not necessarily even possible for a lot of people. And even if it were, it's not responsible in terms of being a okay partner. Usually, we would hope that people are trying to help each other reflect back on each other and grow together, ideally. But um, I already kind of agree that S-types, um, their, your behavior as an S-type reflects on your D-type. And I think that's why a lot of S-types tend to behave extra well in public as well, because they're very aware, like, you know, people are watching me and that reflects back. I know for me, like I am more playful and goofy with you when we're in social circumstances, where we're with good friends or like when we're at home alone, but in public spaces, I'm a little bit more careful because I don't want somebody to misconstrue, our actual organic playfulness for like genuine disrespect. And I think quite frankly, sometimes we toe the line, I toe the line, you know, Mm -hmm. but but perception does not always equal the reality. However, perception does impact how people treat you and respect you and see your dynamic. So I think to a degree, some of us might be performative in public because we want to make sure that the perception is – kind of maintained that there is a respectful dynamic and that the d-type is still being treated with you know deference and that the s-type is still you know being a decent human right um but actually the part that really made me think about this is that i realized there were a lot of d-types whose behavior i didn't respect um and it actually has changed my opinion of the s-type attached to them you know, and I've also seen another circumstance, conversely, where I think the world of this S type that I know, and their D type holds some really shady shit, and it put this S type into a really bad position, and they had to navigate that, and the community may or may not have treated this S type poorly, right? I
1: want you to write down who you're talking about so that I know what you're referencing. Yes,
0: I have three. <laughs> I have. I want to. I want to give three examples. The first is of a D type that, um. I know of who generally speaking just has really poor conduct and um, you know this person has had consent violations like accused of them they've been accused of consent violations rather so there's been a lot of consent incidents with this person some of them have been confirmed some of them have not been confirmed Um, there's been a lot of complaints about this person's conduct and then this person continues to make the same mistakes over and over and over again and I also find this person to be very disrespectful to s types in general um, so I have started to feel some judgment towards the S-types who continue to stay with this person because to me, as an S-type, it does say the absolute world about you, who you tie yourself to. And I understand how incredibly compromising and painful it is to have your D-type fail. Not just to fail you, but to fail the community or to fail outwardly. You know, And I think that that is a position that doesn't really get talked about a lot because it's so uncomfortable to acknowledge what what does it feel like to be an S-type whose D-type is someone that no longer commands respect because their behavior is so disrespectful or their behavior is so poor, and yet you're in this dynamic with them where you're supposed to treat them as if they are above you and as, as if they know better, and in fact, they don't. You know, I think that's a really rough situation, but for this particular case, I, I do find myself judging the S-type a little bit because... um they could leave. They do know what's going on and they have been told and yet they don't. They don't leave this person. So I also want to point out though, sometimes S-types can't leave and sometimes relationships are abusive or coercive. Or just toxic. There's toxic enmeshment and codependency that can occur. And I think DS is a very fertile ground for toxic codependency to occur if it's not being carefully pruned away and watched. So um, I worry more so when I see this dynamic in public. I worry when I meet D types who are disrespectful or who are um, kind of making fools of themselves themselves. And I I worry for the S-types attached more so than I judge, I feel. Unless I know the S-type and I know that they are actively backing this D-type and are, like, making strong decisions to stay um, because they feel like it, not because they're stuck or not because they're confused, but because they're like, yeah, I really like this asshole. Like, that's very rare, I feel. Um, But that's the first type of situation. And I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that particular type of situation and scenario before I go into the other two that I have. I mean,
1: yeah, I'm not going to go too much into the piece about like if it's abusive and and stuff like that. I think that's definitely a different episode. (laughs) Um, But just in terms of how it reflects, some of it is going to be nuance and, you know, behind the scenes, quote unquote, uh, information that the outside world may not have. Right. So um, a lot of times I think, For example, you and I, because we host stuff uh, and and do that kind of thing, um, we might get more information about somebody who has been accused of something, um, for example, that the general kink population doesn't. So I think, and this is something that that I, I talk about a lot just in terms of whenever you hear anything from anyone, is to always kind of keep in mind that even if you're not gonna look into it or ask around other people, there are other sides to it. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind, including the S type, right? So the S type also has their own side to it. And yeah, I mean I think, you know, staying away from from kind of the coercive, toxic, abusive stuff, sometimes, like you said, you just really love someone and so you want to support them, even if there are red flags, you know, or even if there's viewpoints that are different um, from yours or from kind of most people in the community. So, you know, there there is that. Oh, I hit my mic with my chin. Um. It was the cutest chin to <laughs> mic touch I've ever seen. So there is that. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it it reflects upon the S type when there's some pretty clear stuff over a long period of time and you see especially like if there's other past S types with that same person who have chosen to leave and you know this and that and drama and all the things but this person decides to stay <sighs> there's a lid for every pot I guess is my short answer to that um but I do think that that doesn't protect them from people having some
0: judgment there well and I think it's important to point out one even if judgment occurs the best choice I feel is to be concerned and compassionate if you believe that a d-type is overbearing Um, Disrespectful or honestly, like potentially abusive or just dangerous, or just again, maybe just they're just foolish, right? I think it's important if you can healthily engage with the S type attached to that D type to still be there and to form a network of friendship because there may come a time when the S type is able, willing, or ready to leave and they're going to need support. So that's kind of one of the things that I would advise people in general if you see somebody struggling or you see somebody in a toxic dynamic. If you have the spoons and you have the interest in the person like the, you know, in this case, the S-type in this scenario we're talking about, I would definitely encourage you to not run away um, because people need friends and need support, especially if their relationships are struggling or maybe begin to struggle.
1: Um, Well, this is is another reason I wanted to pop in and say why vetting is so important too, right? As an S-type, vetting D-types getting to know them and really looking into their history and vetting them and, and taking the time to do that will hopefully protect you from falling into these types of situations. Um, you know, and I think we have another episode just on vetting alone, but that's why it's so important too. It's, I, there's so many messages that I might get from somebody who is like, hello, mistress. I would like to be your slave. And I'm like, you don't know me. I could be a total dick and a horrible person in the scene and have an awful reputation. Like, you don't, I don't know this person. This is a stranger, right? And so they're clearly not vetting. Um, And that could be a really easy way to get in with somebody just because you're basing your attraction on something surface level that puts you in with a D-type who is not going to eventually represent you in the way that you want them to.
0: Yeah, and I guess the other big antidote for this and that I really want to just encourage everybody listening to do is go to support groups. Go to support groups where you can talk to people who are on the same side of the slash as you um, so that you get feedback and you might dis- you can maybe have the support and the discovery process that you deserve if you are with somebody who is not the best partner and not a safe person for you to be with. Is this an unofficial plug for the S word? No, it's just for all support <laughs> groups, for all and any support Fine, groups. I did it for you. You're welcome. Thank you. I do run a support group <laughs> called the S word. Um, but I want to move on to the next type of thing. So I gave a scenario first, right, where there is an S type whose D type is making a fool of themselves. And there's been another circumstance that I brought up earlier as well in the intro where we know of somebody who we respect very highly who is an S-type whose D-type pulled some shady shit and this S-type got dragged through the mud right alongside them because the community did not distinguish between the S-type and the D-type at that point. They just saw a conspirator with another with, – with a, with a criminal basically is how they viewed this person. And I really feel like it's important in that case – to advocate for separating the S-type from the D-type. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this concept. While I believe it's important to, one, acknowledge that people associate people in DS with one another, like in some ways, I think it's something that we should be prepared for and that we should strive for. We should know that it happens and we should be proud to represent ourselves the best we can so that it reflects well on our partners, right? But I think it's also important to point out that no matter how strong DS is or what type of dynamic you have, people are still responsible for their own actions. We're going to go ahead and go into the second uh, example, though. So we went over when a D-type is is acting poorly and that reflects badly on the S-type, and we gave two kind of um, scenarios for that. But next, I want to talk about what happens when an S-type's behavior is really out of line and how that reflects on the d-type and what responsibility the d-type does or does not have and when that responsibility ends. Before we go into d-type responsibility in a dynamic where the s-type is struggling, which is a very serious topic, we do actually want to implore you to not only review us wherever you're listening but check out our YouTube channel um, we have a it's YouTube channel it's under the same name we have some cool content on there and if you want to see us in our origins and clumsily like <laughs> filming for the first couple times look at the early videos look at the early well, videos well we've been
1: doing those we've had the YouTube podcast for what a couple of years now yeah I so, think it's, it's
0: been since quarantine so yeah so um, if you want
1: to check out the videos or if you just want to see what the heck we look like if you don't know yet you can spy on us and stuff in a different way And you can leave us comments there.
0: So Jen and Eden in a different way, but similar. Visually.
1: (laughs) Okay. Back to the regularly scheduled program. When we first got together, what was one of my like hard limits or one of my like
0: non-negotiables? Don't make a fool of me. Yeah. Don't make a fool of me. Yeah. Well, and that was funny because like the first night that I spent with you or actually not the first night, it was probably the, the second or third time I spent the night with you. Um, we had that conversation right after I came to you and told you, hey, your partner waited until you were out of the room to kiss me without asking me if I wanted it while he was drunk. And I didn't know what to do after I had just said, didn't I had, had I
1: bleh, hadn't I also just said like something that. Made it very clear I wasn't okay. Okay, oh my god, I can't
0: talk. Okay with it. So actually, this is what happened. <laughs> I had already told him boundaries that I had about physical touch, and had also expressed a lack of sexual interest in men. So he knew that that was the case. But he still, um, as soon as you went to the bathroom, he leaned in and he kissed me full on the mouth, and I didn't really know what to do because I had never had that happen to me before. Um, And I was also really, honestly, I would say scared, but I wasn't scared like for my life or like felt like I was in physical danger. I didn't want it to happen again. Like I hadn't told him it was okay. He hadn't asked and that was an escalation that I just didn't anticipate. I was scared because I was worried that you wouldn't want anything to do with me because this man that you had been dating for two years had just essentially possibly violated limits and even engaged in cheating like behavior with me but who did i get mad at well what ended up happening was <laughs> i had a moment of moral crisis before you came out um, of the bathroom where i didn't know what i was going to do and i realized that i cared a lot more about doing what i felt was right than keeping you which sounds really weird but i was like no if she leaves me because of this, then that's just how it's going to go. But I'm not going to conceal this. And I know that I want to tell the truth on this. So he went to the bathroom when you came out. And while you and I were alone, I then said, so he just kissed me. And you were, you said, I really appreciate that you came to me with this. I think you even said, I'm sorry that happened or something like that. Mm -hmm. You said, no, that wasn't okay with me. No, he didn't ask me. Um, and he shouldn't have done that. Um, and I said, I'll never make a fool of you. And I actually introduced that phrase into our relationship because it was something my dad had always said to me, never make a fool of someone you love. That was a phrase I grew up with hearing. I said, I'll never make a fool of you. And you said, good, because that's one of my hard limits. Don't ever make a fool of me. At least not on purpose. And if a fool is made of you because I was being foolish, I expect to be held accountable and we will adjust the behavior. But… Um, that, that goes into how an S-type's behavior reflects on the D-type as well, and vice versa. I don't want to be made a fool of either. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a good policy to have in relationships. Moving forward into this conversation, um, the next example I have is of an S-type acting a fool, basically. Um, and that's a little bit harsh in the circumstance that I'm going to deliberately bring up, like specifically. But basically what happened is that we knew a D-type, and uh, this D-type decided to engage in a relationship with an S-type who had already kind of shown some red-flaggy signs, but they were trying to figure things out. And um, this S-type ended up going downhill very quickly. Um, There was mental illness involved, so that makes it a lot more difficult and complex. It was really hard for this D-type. And this D-type, I believe, from everything I've heard and seen and observed, did literally more than many D-types would do to try to fix what was going on. This D-type took on so much responsibility for what the S-type was doing and what the S-type was experiencing that they were essentially um, in an abusive situation where nothing they did worked and where they were blamed for all of the problems. And this can happen. This type of dynamic can become toxic if an S-type expects the D-type to fix everything. And if an S-type Puts all responsibility on the D type to hold them both together. You know, and I think that that is really hard because in this case, you better believe that I had compassion, worry, concern, all of the things you should feel for the D type who was our friend. But I had a lot of feelings about their decision to stay with this S type because this S type was not in any way upholding any ounce of integrity. They weren't taking a lot of responsibility for their behavior at all and they were asking too much of the D type and it was really hard to watch because it wasn't so cut and dry as you're being a, a fool because you're staying with this S type. It wasn't like that at all. It was watching a D type who is trying to, to be a good D type um have that become a toxic trait. Um so that was really hard, but I do feel like this went way beyond that typical, you know, when you behave poorly in public it reflects on your D type. This went into a horrifying territory to watch and I think
1: it's mm-hmm. not
0: talked about a lot the pressure that D-types are under to lead to lead well and to not allow the S-type to fail I think some D-types suffer
1: well for, and I think yeah. it's one thing to lead it's another thing to expect somebody to fix severe mental health issues or just to or save to... you in general from yeah, yourself That that's kind of where I'm going is you know it's a D-type is is a human. They are only one human. They are often not a therapist or a psychiatrist. And even if they are, they're not their S type's therapist or psychiatrist.
0: Well, hopefully um, not, dear the, God. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, you know, and so part of this is yes, the D type takes on certain amounts of responsibility and leadership, etc but the s type is also responsible for themselves and and in terms of um you know their agency their their mental health and their you know general health and just their life they 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 are still an individual that li- that walks this earth and lives in this life and the d type in my opinion should not be responsible for taking care of and fixing and being in charge a hundred percent of every aspect of that person's life that that s-type has to have some responsibility in that you know it it's not that they can't help support and you know do things through leadership that help the s-type but they certainly don't have a magic wand
0: well, and this goes into what I brought up before of, you know, how much is responsibility is it reasonable for one adult to take for another? Um, how much is even legal? And when is DS not even the issue at all anymore? And, you know, what I mean by that is in this case with this friend that we're talking about, it got to the point where DS wasn't even in the equation anymore. This was a human trying to survive living with another human who was drowning and using them as a lifesaver, but they were also drowning and DS no longer was even possible to maintain. Their dynamic had been dead for a long time and it was well beyond the realm of healthy behavior. It was, it was, it was an emergency basically. I think it's really important, um, In a case like that, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, your S-type behaved poorly in public and that reflects on you. It's one thing to need to make minor corrections. And it's even – it's even, I think it's even reasonable to say as a D-type if your S-type is really exhibiting some concerning behavior patterns like cheating on you or lying a lot or concealing things from you. I think that the D-type really shouldn't tolerate much of any of that. I I mean, I also would say that for anybody in any relationship. Yeah, I was going to say
1: we might be getting a little too – too off the deep end (laughs) in this topic in terms of I I would like to bring it back to kind of just this idea of the S-type's behavior reflecting on the D-type when it comes to just actions in public things like that um, social interactions etc what
0: I'm what I'm trying to say is that those things may reflect on the D-type but once we get into the territory of the S-type having extreme breakdowns or just completely going off the rails I think the only thing that reflects in the d-type at that point is their ability to end the ds even if they don't want to leave that person in, in the relationship I think a d-type has an obligation to call it and to separate themselves and say if you can't or won't listen to my rules my instructions my guidance and if you're not allowing me to lead you I'm no longer your d-type I think that that does need to happen and I think that's the final piece of responsibility I would put on the D-type is it's your job to distance yourself as the dominant because if that person is not really responding to you 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 can't be their dominant. Well and if your S-type is being acting abusively is
1: lying to you is cheating on you blah 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 like that's also reason to just and the relationship. Yeah, I mean that's it's bigger, well. bigger things, you know, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's other, more serious. Other,
0: let's say that there's a D type though who continues to allow their S type to behave horribly, um, to just to to, to to behave unethically, to have no integrity. If that is allowed to continue, I just assume that that's what the D type is teaching the S type, that that is what the D type wants from the S type, um, or that the D type doesn't have the strength or the will to actually say no enough is enough so i do judge the d type in that type of case if it's something like basic like misbehavior i don't judge d types and i don't judge humans for trying to save a partner who's drowning and that's there that's the line and that's kind of why again this this conversation and this topic is not so cut and dry as one might think let's move on to this final concept we've now talked about s types who have D types that are behaving poorly, and we have now talked about D types who have S types who are behaving poorly or struggling. Right. Um, the final example that I have is of a certain pair that we know who call themselves DS, um, and who I think really, this is
1: actually more common than yeah, I mean, this isn't just one example. No, I mean There's this a is a examples. really
0: it's really common people who call themselves a DS dynamic, like a DS couple or whatever who are really nothing of the sort, people who say that they are somebody's dominant and they don't actually in any way act as a dominant or people who say that they're somebody submissive and in no way are they their submissive. Um, it really is flabbergasting to encounter this when you are also a DS couple because I think we do have certain norms or concepts in our mind, ideals, if you will, of what we expect when we meet people in DS and I don't know that those ideals should be enforced and I think it's important to be able to understand that everybody's relationships and dynamics work differently, and it's nobody's right or job to police those dynamics. Yeah, this isn't us
1: saying like, oh, you're not as much into protocols we are, so therefore you're not really power exchange. That's not what we're saying. (laughs) power exchange,
0: collars, titles, honorifics, these things have meaning when we give them meaning. And when you use words and you don't imbue them with meaning, you don't actually follow through, those words don't mean the same thing. So when my dominant and I say that we're in ds i just ran into the microphone <laughs> you're having a hard time with this microphone <laughs> It just flying out of nowhere and hitting you in the face um we have a very playful dynamic we have a very playful way of talking to each other there are people who hear us and see us and are, and go that's not ds that's not a dominant a submissive interacting that's just goofy partners. Um, We do have DS. We just show our dominance and submission differently. And we're always constantly working on it. We have things in our DS that we want to improve or strengthen that aren't there right now. And we have things that we love. About our DS as it is currently. I well, think and people that know us too, I think, can see our power exchange, even sometimes just in a look, you know, and yeah. it might not be as overt. But the point is, like, we have a certain amount of, you know, bratting allowed in both directions in our dynamic um, well, and things like that. I'm not that. limited, I don't think. What? I'm not limited. You know, you're never I limited. Can brat all I want. You can. That's just your right as the <laughs> dominant. Um, but the point is, like, our feel of our dynamic isn't identical to other 24 7 DS. Um, And that's okay, but what we're talking about here are people who are using these terms who are really just enjoying the the fetish of the term. And in this case with these friends I'm thinking of, they are not a DS dynamic. They're just not because there is no respect between them in either direction. And this supposed D-type has zero control and exerts zero influence over the behavior of the S-type. And the S-type takes great pleasure in undermining and emasculating the D-type. Yeah, probably if you saw... Su- Hold on. Oh. I want to say really fast, emasculating here, I am not saying like only in the use of emasculating a male person. I'm using emasculation as in taking the power away. In a non-gendered way. In a non-gendered way. I just want to be clear about that because I recently discovered that emasculation can and probably should be used in non-gender. I love the word mask is in it, but who cares? I'm just going to use it to plot everybody. <laughs> All right, anyways.
1: Yeah, I, I think people will use it who are in the scene who feel like they essentially need to mask that way, right? They need to present as being in a power exchange dynamic. Um, But if you kind of see them on a day-to-day level, not day-to-day, but, you know, behind the scenes or just not only in dungeons, you know, or whatever, that, you know, you see this major uh, disconnect between sort of how they present versus how they are um and so I think that's kind of you know what you're talking about oh my god put your phone down it's so distracting I know you're shaking it to see the little star glitters move on the back of the case but it's really distracting (sighs)
0: sorry
1: (laughs) but yeah I think I think that's you know I guess I kind of understand why people do it, especially if they have any kind of larger presence in the community, whether it's hosting, whether it's leading, whether it's uh, being a performer, whether it's being a teacher, um, you know, there's maybe more of a pressure for, for people like this to present as being in power exchange. Is it necessary? No. It can also be misleading. Well, right? it's very misleading. Um, but it also, I think, I, I think it comes from a place almost. It's almost like group, unintentional group peer pressure. Does that make sense? Like nobody's actually pressuring these people. No, no, it's just But it's almost like it's the their norm. inflict their self inflicted expectation of the community is X, Y, and Z and so they present as
0: X, Y, and Z. Well, I think also too, people genuinely really get confused between having a dominant energy or identifying as a dominant as an orientation and topping. I think people sometimes are like, oh, I bottomed this person during sex and they're dominant to me in sexual situations or this person tops me in play, therefore they're my dominant. And that's like a very loose use of the word dominant. And the thing is, technically speaking, it's not really arguably wrong. It's just a really broad application of dominant and submissive. And that's why we try to differentiate with words like top and bottom.
1: Or also short-term – or sorry, part-time – dynamics versus more kind of full-time dynamics like you know somebody can be in a ds dynamic during a scene that's fine um but to present as that being your dynamic all the time and that not being the case can be like you said misleading misleading
0: confusing and i will say this to me and to a lot of people the words dominant and submissive have a lot of weight to them in the same way that collars to a lot of people have weight to them in terms of the meaning. And not everybody agrees identically with exactly what these terms are going to look like and mean, but these are not light words to use. It's why there's this big movement to teach people who are new that they can use top and bottom Until they actually get their bearings and they, you know, have their feet, their sea legs under, their kink legs, their sea legs underneath (laughs) them, right? But in the case of these people, I feel like to call yourself something immediately throws you into the category of being held under a scrutiny because you are saying you're this thing. So if these two people were to say, um, that's my top and I'm, I bottom to them and whatever... The scrutiny level on that would be zero because there is no expectation that anybody has that a top is anything other than somebody who does an action um, or that a bottom is anything other than someone who receives the action. But when you say dominant and submissive, for most people, they're going to have some sort of standard of what that means in their head. And I would say for most people, if it's a DS dynamic, there's going to be an assumption of power exchange. Because that's what DS is, it's power exchange. And it's usually also assumed that at least for some of the time, the D-type is exerting, you know, consensual control over the S-type and that the D-type is in some way responsible for the S-type's behavior and that the S-type is, as part of giving control to the D-type, respectful of the D-type to a degree. That's like, to me, the bare minimum loosest definition of DS. It doesn't have to be super high protocol. It doesn't have to be 24-7. But when you say that, I, I feel like it's pretty normal to have at least that bare minimum expectation placed on it. And again, nobody is or should be policing this. But in the case of this conversation we're having today about how does a partner's behavior reflect on the other partner in DS, if you are using these terms um, the way you behave, I feel heavily is tied back to your partner. So when we see this S-type talking shit about their D-type, humiliating their D-type, saying I don't care what this my D-type thinks or says or wants, I'm going to do it my way. And when I see the D-type flailing, struggling, miserable, feels like they have no control, feels like things are happening that they don't want to have happen, um, I see two very ill-matched people when it comes to the DS dynamic they say they're in because I don't see respect going to the D-type and I don't see the D-type exerting any sort of control um, in any way over the relationship. And again, D-types, in my opinion, should be leaders of the relationship. It doesn't mean there isn't collaboration. I'll tell you right now, our relationship is extremely collaborative um, you know, but there there is a balance that's stric- stricken where there is some sense that the D-type is leading. So when you see a situation like the one we're talking about, which is a very common situation where there is no clear leader or where the S-type is clearly in charge and the D-type is D-type in name only, this can be very confusing and it really muddies the waters with this conversation of how much does one person's behavior reflect on the other. In the case of these friends and this this, this, this these people I'm talking about, I actually tend to judge them less for each other's behavior because I don't see them as a unit. They, they say they're DS, but I really don't see this person as as the dominant of, of the other. I don't see this person as the submissive of, of, of them. I don't see that. I see two people in relationship with one another who use honorifics and titles because it pleases them to do so, but who don't actually have the same meaning imbued into the relationship as I do in mine or as many DS couples do in theirs. And I basically have learned not to hold them to the standard that I would hold other DS couples. And so while I do judge them based on, you know, their personal behavior, and I do worry about if their relationship is okay, healthy, and if each of them is actually genuinely happy – I don't actually feel like the S-type's behavior in any way reflects the D-types because I doubt the D-type even knows what the S-type is doing. Yeah. I'm kind of, you
1: know, reflecting back to sort of when, you know, why this topic came up and kind of my first thoughts that came up around it, which, you know, gets back to if we want to bring it back to our relationship, like how does your behavior reflect on me as your D type? Right. And and it can go in both directions. So like, for example, when somebody comes to me and they are like, you know, Hey, I just want to let you know, like Eden taught this class or Eden ran the S word the other night and she did such a great job. Right. That reflects on me too. I'm like, I'm, I'm proud of that, right? Because you're reflecting in a positive way or you're representing me and us in a positive way. Um, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I can send you off to do the newbie orientation at club awakening and you end up talking to people forever, which, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, but it's a good thing. Ultimately, I know it's a good thing. (laughs) I need a I need a second in command to get my water during those times. We might need more help at, <laughs> at our events, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it's those are things that I see also reflect back on me, but in a positive way. And so I want to talk about kind of that other side to it too. It's not always a negative thing. It's yeah. however your S type is out in the kink world can reflect back and 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 reflect. Sorry, not reflect. Um, represent you as the d-type very positively that's what the hope is right um you know on the other hand if like we're sitting at a party and like somebody you know comes up to you and and says something and you fly off the handle you know and they were just trying to be nice but for whatever reason it offended you (laughs)
0: very specific are you thinking of something that might have happened to the first week of our relationship perhaps
1: maybe all of a sudden I didn't at first but that popped into my head <laughs> See, that example just
0: seems so specific but yes it reflects on you yeah as well. so
1: like you know if you you know fly off on somebody that you know whatever then yeah that also reflects on me and that's the kind of stuff I was kind of originally thinking about is the sort of thing that can happen in social situations and you know going to, I, I mean, most of my examples that I'm thinking of right now are positive reflections, right? Positive representation. Um, but I mean, it could be like, what was it that happened the other day? Somebody, I think asked us, cause you were being bratty. Somebody asked about like, is that much bratting allowed in your dynamic or something along those lines?
0: Do you remember what I'm talking about? Kind of. And you were like, yeah, I encourage it. I love her so much. And I love everything she does. That's not what and I said. And she cannot <laughs> do so wrong. That's so not what I said. <laughs> My S-type has a perfect sense of humor.
1: <clears throat> no. Um, no. but I, <laughs> But the question, just the fact that they posed the question revealed – possibly and they it ended up they were just coming from
0: true curiosity yeah they were but, just wondering
1: about but the, it
0: could have represented yeah. some judgment right i think i think there may have been a little judgment although i wasn't offended by that because i'm like there if there is judgment in a case like that it's that person judging if they themselves would want that in their own dynamic not so much judging if it works for us they're going i see this in play do i want that for myself
1: yeah yeah But, you know, I responded back like, you know, most of the time it is usually fine. Like, and and I explained, like, if it starts to cross the line, you know it. Like, I'm either going to give you, Eden, you know it. I'm either going to give you a look or I'm going to say something or whatever um, that, uh you know, clearly gives that that information. But also, the, the other thing that happens in our dynamic is that after a social situation, if you are worried that you crossed the line or that you did something that may have represented me in a negative light, usually most of the time you haven't, but you'll still check in with me, you know, after we've left.
0: I tend to neurotically check in with you <laughs> after everything we do in public because I want to know that I made you proud or I want to know if I made a mistake because my goal is always to make my dominant proud of me. Always. Always. And I, I genuinely actually actively think of that. I don't know if you know this. I think about that when I'm in public, especially in the kink scene, especially if we're running parties. I'm always aware, hyper vigilant of the fact that you, I'm representing you. Um, you know, to bring it back around to this topic and to kind of wrap this wrap this podcast. Episode. This episode. Not the whole podcast. No, we're just gonna this keep episode. Doing... <laughs> yeah, well, the podcast will still be here when, you know, we come back. Um, but in the case of this final thing where I brought up this couple that uses ds terminology but that spinal this couple this couple oh spinal (laughs) spinal. wow this couple i know sometimes i slur my words and talk too fast let me slow down okay but i brought up this couple not because i want to necessarily you know rag on them but because there's something very important that's a nuance in this entire conversation that's illustrated by this couple and their loose use of DS terms. You don't know what standard people are holding themselves to until you find out what they mean by DS. You just don't know. Um, and until you find out what they mean, while judgment probably is occurring from every direction, from all people who encounter everybody, because we all, unintentionally usually have some judgments about each other right until you know for sure how people are defining what they call ds you really can't judge them by your own meter stick because what miss Jenna and i call ds and what we think is the right way to go in terms of you know representing your partner might not be what the next couple or next ds you know group thinks it's not universally agreed upon that ds couples and stuff like that. I'm saying the word couple, by the way. I realize there's DS that occurs where it's not just couples, so please forgive me if I'm, you know, using language that's not the most perfect and inclusive. I simply mean that people in DS often agree that there are certain standards of behavior and certain norms and expectations that should be met, but that's not universal. I think what's fair is to judge people by their own meter sticks. So, like, when you discover that people are calling themselves dominant and submissive to one another, but that that doesn't have anywhere close to the same meaning as what you use those words for. You can't really look at them and go, well, you're doing it wrong or, you know, whatever. I think you only can really use this like fairly judge somebody based on what their partner is doing in the sense of DS if you discover that they believe the same things you do about DS. So if you meet a dominant and they tell you when I say dominant, I mean that I am the leader in this relationship. I take responsibility for the way this relationship is going and I take responsibility for my S-type and their behavior and shaping their behavior. And that's what I mean by dominant. If somebody tells you that and then you see – that they aren't actually doing that in their relationship, that's a time when you might go, okay, like I actually judge how your S-type is behaving on you because you told me that that's your responsibility and you told me that's what you see this as. You know, and vice versa. If the S-type says I, I'm a submissive, and to me that means that I I am led in the relationship and I give up a certain amount of control and power, I am respectful to my dominant as best I can be, and I, I am accountable to my dominant. Like if an S-type says that to you or submissive says that, Yes, you can hold them accountable or in your mind, at least I think it's fair to everybody has a right to be as judgy as they want. But I think it's this conversation would not be a good one if we didn't acknowledge the fact that as much as you might personally think that it's okay to judge a D type based on their S types behavior or it's okay to judge an S type based on their D types behavior. One, there is nuance in how much control one person really has over another And two, there is nuance and gray area in how much control someone wants to have over another or has agreed to to have over another person. And if you're looking at a DS couple and you're sitting there thinking, this is 24-7 just like mine, and there's respect and there's, you know, this stuff just like mine, and then you find out, oh, they just call each other that for funsies, but they're super egalitarian. You know, it's just not, it's not going to be the same conversation and it's not going to be fair to judge all relationships the same every time. And that's kind of my final thought on this issue is that, yeah, our behavior reflects on one another, fair or not, because we can't control what other people perceive, but how much it should reflect is case by case and based on individual identification and definition of how somebody sees the word they identify with. And ultimately, I think that
1: our goal is that you are an S-type that I can be proud of and I am a D-type that you can be proud
0: of. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I want to foster that ideology in our community because there is a large portion of DS practitioners who do believe that. And I think, again, there's no such thing as every single human who is in kink and BDSM Agreeing exactly on how terms should be defined but it's safe to say that there is a large portion of DS people who do think this way and who do believe these things and I think that's what we're really speaking to today um, when we do advocate for being awa- at least aware of the fact that your behavior reflects on your dominant or your submissive um, is that it kind of does to your peers who are also in DS they are going to expect the D type and the S type to reflect one another Um, So that was our podcast today. We realize uh, this is kind of a complex and judgy topic. I don't know. Like we, I hope we've been fair and that we showed nuance and gray. Um, We would really love to hear from everybody. Um, And in case you're one of our friends, no, this wasn't about you. Don't ask me if this was about you. It wasn't. (laughs) All right, kinklings, if you
1: have not already safe worded out of this one, we appreciate it. And uh, follow us on Instagram, K's for kinky J E, and see silly stuff
0: sometimes. Tune in next time for the first episode in a two parter all about leadership in the scene. Leadership in the scene. I need to learn how to enunciate. Be dirge. Leader- it sounded fine the first time. Take me to your Hosting, leader. Leading. That's what we'll call it. Take me to your leader. Ooh, alien. But this won't be about aliens. It'll be all about the complexity and the difficulties of leadership in the scene. So if you are curious about this, if you want to be a leader, or if you have been wondering, what do leaders even do? Check out this two-parter. This is a good
1: one. It's a good one. I'm just saying, like, buckle up and get ready for a couple of episodes back-to-back that goes into some shit.
0: Yeah, buckle up, buttercups. (laughs)